Welcome to a new episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast. From time to time, I've talked about open source. Open source is very important in our industry and has been very helpful, I know, in a lot of the things that I do in my job and others do. So in this episode, we're joined by Jesse Chomchok to talk with us about open source. Jesse, do you want to give us a brief introduction of who you are, what you do, and what your favorite happy hour beverage is. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. I'm happy to be here. Uh, my name is Jesse Tomshock. I'm currently an architect at this dot Consulting Labs. Um, I'm a recovering iOS developer uh, and recovering Objective-C uh, developer in, into JavaScript. And I love open source. I, I We stand on the shoulders of giants. So when Jim said the topic was coming up, I was I was just jumped at the chance to talk about this because it's so important. Um, my favorite happy hour beverages are uh, iced cold brew. Uh, and a LaCroix on the side when it gets late. That that's that's where I'm at. I'm I'm the I'm the guy driving. Nice. I mean, you cannot go wrong with a cold brew or a LaCroix. Definitely top favorites of mine. Sometimes you need both. You got two hands for a they good They complement nicely. Yes, they, pair they do. Well. Uh, <laughs> and I love the recovering iOS developer, especially on the note of Objective C. Oh man, it was a rough life. You didn't go down the road of Swift? Oh no, I was there. So I, I started in 05 and did Mac apps, iOS apps, and then Swift came out and I was like, oh, this is great. And then Swift two, three, four changes. And I'm like, this ecosystem is rough. Um, and Re- React Native was my gateway drug. It was just like, nice. this is hot reload, hot refresh, yep. uh, shipping bundles. I was on board. I was 100% on board with that. Uh, and here I am. That was a cool feature that I feel like working on the web for so many years, it's like, you're like, yeah, we just refresh. It's like super easy. But when you're building for mobile, it's like, wait, wait, you got to wait for that build. And, Dude. and so like having that hot refresh is huge. That like three minute build between just being able to see checks will kill your entire day, right? It's just like, I make a few tweaks and like, okay, build. And you're just like, and this is a rebuild, not a new build. You're just, oh, dude, it was brutal stuff. You could grab a cold brew in between. There was a lot of downtime. There was, <laughs> it's like, was I building? I should go check. Is this, did I check this build? I'll build again. All right. Well, that's a great time to introduce uh, today's panelists. It's, it's really just Jem and I as the panelists. Jem, you want to kick it off? Jem Young, engineering manager at Netflix. And I'm Ryan Burgess. I'm a software engineering manager at Netflix as well. In each episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast, we love to choose a keyword that if it's mentioned at all in the episode, we will all take a drink. What did we decide today's keyword is? Contributions. Contributions. I think that will be a good one. I'm so glad we didn't choose like open source. Like I feel like that would just be ridiculous. So We need another backup drink if we chose that. Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of drinks at that point. All right. Well, let's hop in. I mean... Maybe to level set, like when we say open source, what do we mean when we say open source? It's just like free and available software. Is it like free as in beer or free as in puppy? Both. <laughs> Both. <laughs> <laughs> and is it always free, really? Like it is in the sense that you may not be like monetizing like or paying but with money, but like, you know, it's it's not just everything doesn't come for free just because you're having open source too. Open source is, is the idea that the, the source code is out there and, and someone has put some amount of time and effort into building something and made it available for you, right? It, you can use it without any guarantee or warranty. Uh, and, you know, we've, we'll probably get into this later about, you know, posting issues. And I mean, the idealistic way is I have this thing, I solved my problem, it's out here for you to use and solve a problem that you may have and to change it and manipulate it any way you need. Uh, if you find it useful, contribute back to it, right? It's this, it's a sort of 
village mentality of of growing together and not resolving the same issue over and over and over again. Um, eventually, packages, you know, libraries and open source get large enough that they become group collaborators and sort of a first-handed tool to reach for. Um, you know, no one's going to rebuild uh, React or you know uh, a DOM diffing tool um, other than for mental exercise or something new, maybe in in reactive like Spelt Kit or something like that. Um, but the the power of open source is that it's freely available, free to use, change as needed. And what I think the part we forget a lot is to contribute back and not just post issues. Uh, it, it is not Twitter, right? Where you just sort of yell into the void and, and hope for the best. Uh, it, it's, it's meant to be um, usable and interactive, right? A con you contribute and it, take a penny, leave a penny, right? We've all seen those dishes. To, I guess depends on your age at this point. Maybe I'm eight, give it, giving myself <laughs> away. Um, when you used to go to the gas station, you used to like go in and like get change. You'd put it in the, in the, in the, you know, paper money, right? Uh, What's paper? Get, paper. Yeah, right. I, I honestly don't know the last time I had a, a dollar in my wallet. Uh, I remember this as a child. Uh, but you would take a penny, leave a penny. And there was, you know, if you were short two cents for a soda, there was usually two cents in there to help you out. And you would always put change back in there. So this sort of give and take uh, is a balance that isn't, it's, it's hard to sort of find that balance. And I don't know that I'm, well, I will say right now, we've do not have that balance now. Uh, we're burning out people who are willing to contribute to both time, effort, and emotion to this this industry that runs everything underneath uh, of our jobs. So uh, that's my short definition of open source. I think it was a really in-depth uh, <laughs> coverage of it. Like, I think you did a great job summarizing it. Jem, anything you want to add? No, I think Jesse covered it quite well. I, I would just add, uh, when we talk about Open source doesn't mean free, like, like uh, you all called yep. earlier. It just means you can view the source code. Uh, there's a lot of different licenses, which we'll talk about in a, in a minute we talk about business models. But that's all it means. I think people think open source means free, but that's just not the case. It just means like you can inspect it, all these other things. There's a lot of issues we have today in open source. Uh, most of the world runs on some open source software. You can go into any app on your phone and go down to like, acknowledgements or whatever, and they'll see, you'll see the libraries. Uh, it's funny how much of the world runs on the work of like one or two people based on like some critical library. And we've seen when those go down and they're like, it's not my job. Uh, it's, it's a very demanding thing. Uh, like it, it's very demanding to maintain a popular open source library. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, we have a lot to cover here. I mean, it's thankless too, right? Like a lot of times it's a very thankless job to, you know, Jesse mentioned like throwing up issues like that can be stressful for the the person on the other end who's like jesse you had mentioned someone who's just throwing a library out there that's like hey i found this useful i built it if others can leverage it great and that's awesome like being able to just throw that out to the world to take advantage of someone else's work is great but i think that there comes this responsibility unfortunately sometimes too like i've definitely done this where i've thrown things out there i guess i didn't intend to spend a lot of my time on it, it was like you know here i'm just throwing it out there to maybe save you some headache or time but then those issues pile up and you're like yeah I, you're right like i missed that or i didn't think that i would extend it that way and that can be a, a burden and, and so that can be stressful too like and so i think that maybe as we talk about this like 
let's talk a little bit on the pros and cons. Like I'm, I'm, I'm highlighting a con there right now is that someone who creates an open source library, that is a bit of a burden. But like, what are some of the, the pros like on, on creating open source? Yeah, I think some of the pros, like we, we, there's, you know, from the selfish aspect, when I, I build a thing and it works really well and I, I put it out there and someone else uses it or has feedback, it's like, oh, you saved me a, a whole day. Um, that high, that sort of validation for me, um, is huge, right? I could, I can ride that high all week, month. Like, I mean, it's, it is such a dopamine hit to be able to be like, yeah, here's this thing. Somebody else uses it. They thought it was helpful. It was, it was great. Um, and the, the, the other side of that coin is, is like you said, the issues piling up the guilt, the, the feeling of responsibility to people that are using it, that are outside of your own use case. Uh, you know, there's Henry uh, Zhao had a talk in 2018 at React Rally called Through the Through the Open Source Looking Glass. Mm-hmm. And it was not a technical talk. And it was something that I think about a lot. Uh, I think he was out in the product, uh, out in the booth area with a cardboard box that just said Babel donations on it, like scribbled in Sharpie, right? You, you, yep. you guys may have been at there at 2018. Yeah, um, we were there. And I was like, <laughs> is this for real? Is this like a joke? And he's like, hey, do you have a few dollars to like put towards Babel? And I was like, you can have everything in my wallet, dude. And that was that point where, you know, listening to his talk about the sort of mental sort of guilt and me- like emotional stress that came with just looking at just working on Babel and being like the Babel spokesperson um and i don't think we really sort of understand you know unless you've been in that sort of accountability that spotlight just the sort of drain that the community uh for better for worse even when they're trying to be you know where they're like hey i've had this problem it's not a big deal like i'm just going to post this issue but if 20 people do it and you come in in the morning and you see this like we all know how that feels like when prod goes down and your stomach sinks and you're just like oh like there's this implicit ownership and responsibility and even if they're just you know they're all really nice comments you still feel that way and it doesn't help when someone gets real nasty and they're like uh like the you know i think jim was alluding to the j4 log error what's like fix this bug my billion dollar enterprise depends on it it's like pay me i don't i don't know what to tell you like um i think their emotional state is really hard and we churn through you know over the 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 years i've seen open source maintainers come and go um, and great projects come and go. And where are they now? We could do a whole VH1 section on where are they now? Um, where they're just like, I don't open source anything because it, I just get chewed up by the community. Um, and there's no monetary reward at the end of this. And we'll probably get into the the money down the road. But there's like, there's no end game for this other than what what I see right now is a burnout cycle. Like there's no there's no happy path, right? There's only bur- there's only cycles of 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 compost happening right now, and I don't know how to break that. And and maybe as we talk about it and sort of educate people, they'll think about Henry and that box that just says Babel donations because the whole <laughs> world runs on Babel, like JavaScript everywhere runs on Babel, like it's so crazy. And it has for years too. It's not like this is a new library that people are like, oh, this is cool. It's like no, no, no. This is it's been long sustaining and used. His talk was on point it, it really was you definitely get a lot of empathy if you haven't really dealt with open source and that's okay if you haven't de- dealt with open source and i don't think it's to say that you shouldn't submit an issue you are helping in some ways it just can sometimes feel it's crushing to you know have to deal with that when you're not suspecting it right we all even deal with like you jesse you mentioned like the production bug like 
nobody's like, hey, I'm waking up today and excited to deal with the production bug. And sometimes it railroads your day in it and that the open source side can do that too. I, I love doing things with Um, it's good. It feels good to be able to help others. Free them up. That's amazing. Um, it's just, it comes at sometimes at cost. I, I even find it with this podcast. Like we've been doing this for over six Ye- years now. Years, yeah. It, it's a long time. And there's times where you get a lot of positive feedback that you've, you know, helped people in so many ways. And it feels so great. And then there's the odd time that people give you feedback. They're, they mean well, it's constructive and to, to make it better. But there's times where you're like, I do this for free. Like, you know, it's like this, this is my free time. It's like it costs money. All those little things, they start to add up. And it, it sucks because it's like, it's not that I would never want to hear it either because you're like, well, you're helping make something better. But it, it's hard to kind of balance that, I guess. And so I, I love that you called that out for the open source side of things. Yeah, it's like, I don't know, increasingly I'm realizing we kind of had a golden age in maybe, I don't know, 2010 for, for the internet. What I mean is there we kind of grew up with this entitlement of the internet where everything's free. Like I people want to go to my blog and read something I wrote on uh, a Linux server or something like that. That costs me money. Like I have to host that, I have to pay for that. But like there's this implicit, yeah, that's okay. I'm willing to forego some of my income to like better the internet, better the community. The same thing goes for a lot of services we use are free, like Slack. You can, there's a free tier. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, like all these services, Google, are free. So people get used to that as like, oh, the internet should be free and don't want to take that one step further beyond like, well, who's paying for this in some way? And the same thing goes for open source, which is people, these billion dollar corporations depend on it. It goes down, everybody, or there's a bug. Someone gets really, really angry about it. Ah, this jerk maintaining this library. Who's doing it for free because they want to do it and they want to give back in the spirit of the internet. But there's no, like, uh, again, as a community, as, as a population, a human population, we never take that step further and say, hey, how can we support these things? How can we keep the web, web pages alive? How can we make sure the world doesn't run on ads? But we haven't, and it's just like the cycle of, like Jesse was saying, burning through these open source contributors who put their time and effort, build something really cool, release it to the world, do their best to maintain it. But over time, they realize this is a full-time job and trying to keep up with the one person running Arch Linux three versions back and have an issue with like Firefox, like trying to solve like these really bespoke issues and dealing with people that are really angry about it. It's just like, why? Like, why, why would I? Why should I? So it's just... I don't know. We've still never come to that reckoning yet. We see it time and time again where people pull their open source packages, as is their right. It's their code. They can pull it. The internet goes down because it's some dependency of dependency of dependency of dependency. Because, you know, shout out to, to no left pad. <laughs> yeah, left pad. And then we're like, ah, oh, this is outrageous. Let me clone this. And then uh, GitHub steps in and clones it and like does all sorts of like dubious things with someone else's code. And we're like, how dare they? But like, what have we given back to them that they don't have this right? So it, I don't know. I see it more and more and it does bother me. It bothers me when people like Henry say like, I can either have a full-time job or I can maintain Babel and keep the internet running, but I can't do both. And people are like, yeah, yeah, do that. But no one will, no one will donate money. So it's just, I don't know. It, it's a model that takes advantage of human, human goodness, human, like people wanting to give back, but it's just people take and take and take and take. 
but no one wants to submit a pull request to fix or donate money or do anything really. We just like to complain. I looked at that, that sort of choice of maintaining Babel or a living wage, like a, a, a usable, you know, I know in the software industry, we often get paid, uh, large, largely compared to other industries. Um, but you know, when Henry was talking, he was talking a living wage in New York, right? He could get a real job and you'll get a software job. Uh, he, he would make less than, you know, I wouldn't even have enough to, for an apartment maintaining Babel. And so I went to open collective, which is, uh, you know, if you're not familiar, open collective is a sort of like transparency accounting book for donations and receipts and reporting for open source, uh, libraries, packages, and things like that. Um, I think Webpack was on it many years ago. Um, and you can go there and be like, okay, what does Babel spend money on? And I'm looking at these numbers and then you can go down and see who gives money to Babel. And it's certainly, I think Adobe's in there for like a couple thousand dollars. And like, you know, there's a couple companies that over the span of like four years have given a handful of, of dollars, but it's mostly just people. And as I, I'm, I'm looking at this page and I'm thinking, where where's all this money and all this profit and all this revenue and all the stock markets and all the everything that's going on and they're paying SaaS companies and slack you know they're paying their slack bill or their aws bill and it's like where is a like where's enough money to just give like three or four people to run it like us you know just just to do the work um and i i don't know i look at that and i just think that we're so far from where we need to be with this um you know, and when we started, I said, I don't have the answers and I, I don't know what this looks like. Uh, but our, I think I'm with Jim. Our reckoning is coming um, and it's it's going to be really difficult when it does, um, whether it's tough choices or just broken products or, or what it might be. Um, but I think what will likely happen in the human in the human trait is people in the community will step up to shoulder that burden. And not and not not the enterprises or the businesses or the revenue streams or those things, unless there is adequate motivation for shareholders. Right at the end of the day, I don't know what that's like either. No one in this community is 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 interested in that or developed in actuation or shareholder stock or business revenue or marketing or like that's not our deal. Uh, that's why we're here. That's why we're software development because we don't do that other stuff. That stuff's hard. I don't want to do it. Uh, marketing's hard. Uh, I would yeah. rather do software. Software for me is makes sense. Um, but we need other people, other uh, types of people in, in the community to help us figure this out. Because uh, we've, I think we've shown over the last couple decades as developers, we can't do this. We're not business focused as a community. We're, we're panhandling essentially. Uh, and it's not going well. It, it's funny too. You mentioned the like other companies, right? Or that like companies are just throwing like say Adobe, it's throwing a couple thousand. And I also don't know that it's even the company's faults that they're not doing it because it's they're almost unaware, right? When they have to pay for the Amazon bill, like AWS, or they have to pay for Photoshop licenses or whatever, they have to pay for it versus the open source pieces of it. I think some like the higher up people who deal with budgets for software, they may not even be aware that, yeah, no our teams are actually using a lot of this open source software that we could be contributing back to. And so I think some of it is just like helping with that education too. It's not like, hey, it's a requirement. You, like that's right now, it's not a requirement to pay for it. But I think that 
that's maybe part of the problem. It's not. But then also it's like they're just unaware too. So I also want to call that out is like it's not that companies are like, oh, I don't want to give to that free thing. It's like they may not even be aware. Maybe that's something we can do as a community is like try and make companies better understand that there's going to be someone inside those companies that are aware. The engineers are definitely aware of that, but they're not thinking like, oh, hey, we should go up to upper management and say like, hey, we should be tossing like 30K a year to this project because we use it so much and we're so dependent on. There are solutions, though, uh, not to get down on corporations because, you know, corporations, Uh, something like the OpenJS Foundation which backs Node, which is part of the Linux Foundation. Like corporations can join that, pay their dues, and which gets distributed out to all these open source projects, which are critical. Uh, I'm proud to say Netflix is a member of the OpenJS Foundation. Because other than that, it's very difficult to say, oh, we use Babel. Let me track down the Babel maintainer, find out who to donate to. It gets really difficult. It, it is, like you called out, a business problem. Yeah, and it's we've, we've made it really difficult to give us money, right? So like... Yeah. Uh, you're, you're right, Jim. The corporations are not big, bad, evil companies. We, they're, 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 yeah. They serve a purpose. Yeah, uh, they maybe are both sides. Yeah. But they're certainly not the only bad actor here. They, if, they're, if every corporation had $100,000 and was ready to pay tomorrow, where on earth would they give it? Where would they go? We, we, like, we're panhandling with our hands out, but there's no vehicle for them to be like, hey, we want to give you money. How do we do that? Like, it's on, it's, we're not making it very easy, are we? Yeah, it, it's it's a business problem, which I think a few people have tried to solve, not super successfully. GitHub has like donations now. Sponsors, right? Yep. Yeah, there's Open Collective, which is yeah. a, another a good foundation to join and, and they distribute money. But again, developers doing things as a passion project aren't thinking, oh, I should get paid for this. They just like take on this burden and burden and burden and then they burn out. And then we just lose quality engineers donating quality software to the world because like we can't give them a little bit shifting topics slightly this one this one's a little little uh, gnarly so i want to hear what you all think so i i gem am creating a gem corp software um let's say it's a blogging platform i open source it as as a good community steward ryan and jesse you two contribute in the form of prs you're not part of the company at all but you just contribute because you use it you like it you you like the ethos of this really simple lightweight blogging platform so we we do this for a couple years and then i say you know what i think i want to make some money off this i'm gonna now take this open source project turn it into a business and start selling it for money like selling the different suites of support things like that where do you all sit on ethics of I'm now making money off the work that you did in good faith. But this is a real situation a lot of companies do where they get help from the community. And then now I'm making money based off of the work you did. But yeah, I don't, I still don't know where I stand on this. There's nothing inherently wrong with it, but it just seems on the slightly shady side. I don't know. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I I think the, the shady side comes in so if if we play the scenario out uh you you take uh jimco blogging um which is this great indie platform that got a huge bump when everyone left twitter right um and you're like <laughs> i'm gonna sass this it's gonna be great so now you have a a hosting version of uh jimco blogging right it's maybe five bucks a month and nobody has to deal with the software and it's got a cool uh interface and people can post and you know it's in markdown and everybody loves it right it's got a feed um as someone who has contributed to it, and maybe I'm I'm 
running my own sort of generated Jesse blog that's built on the, the same engine, my emotions tell me that as long as your core engine stays open source um, and you are providing hosting and, you know, AWS or d distributed CICD builds that maybe I've like, you know, Ryan's got his, he, he works in like GitHub actions. And like, I was like, oh, circle CI works great. Cause I get these cool notifications when it totally bombs. Like, you know, we have our own sort of pipeline, our bespoke pipelines that we're all so much that we enjoy so much setting up. Yes. Um, right. Everyone's favorite. Uh, and but you have yours and you're like this is this is great this is easy for people to do it's on aws it runs in lambdas it's awesome you know that infrastructure as a service that you're offering i think is fantastic that tells me that this project might be around a little bit longer so i'm okay with this but as someone who's contributed knowledge and you know we've talked back and forth you know we're colleagues were members of of the group you know we banter on on pull requests and issues and stuff like that and um I think as long as you keep the project open and run your business in a different way, I, I'm thinking in my head of like Vercel hosts and does a ton of stuff, but Next.js continues to be open source, but not open contributions, right? I think there, you know, there's, there's, we haven't talked about this yet, but there's open source. You can see the source and then there's not just anybody can contribute. You can come in, but we're probably, unless we know you, we're just going to close it or bump it or autobot it or something, right? We don't have to listen to everybody. Um, and I think that's a lesson that we've learned over the last couple of years. But emotionally, I'm okay with it. Jim's doing a great job. He's running this business. He leaves his job and he's running Jimco blogs. You know, he's on the, the MMR train and he's talking build the found, you know, he's on build your SaaS and he's talking you know, this is how I built my business and it, it was open source and worked late night and now it hosts and you know, and I'm a contributor that just runs the engine. Think WordPress, think, you know, there's, yep. you're paying, I pay, I would even be like, you know, at a certain point, like I did this with uh, micro.blog uh, for Matt and Reese, who's an indie project. I pay him five bucks a month because it's a great project. Do, do I, I'd move my blog over to it. I've moved it away. I've moved it back. You know, as a developer does every 30 days, I move my blog. I don't write content. I just move the, <laughs> I just move it. But I, I mostly am okay with this. Ryan, I'm curious to see, like, from your standpoints, you know, we've done a ton of PRs together over the last couple of years. We have, like, a casual, you know, we meet up at conferences and, like, dude, uh, are you okay with Jim making a business out of this? Yeah, I, I actually echo a lot on how you feel about it. I do think that to Jim's company, that he doesn't owe us anything because we had this open source handshake of how things were being built in the first start and that it, it's a little blurry right like it's not a contract like if this makes money then like we're awarded 25 percent or, or anything like that like none of those types of agreements have been ever made now i do actually think that gem now making money off that could in good faith say hey what can I do for you guys? Like you, you've been a big part of this. Like I, a lot of the work was helpful there. And I don't think he owes us like a percentage of the company. Um, I don't think it's like anything major. It could be even just like Jesse, it could be your hosting or whatever that may look like, or it's like, Hey, I'm going to give you guys some swag or anything like just some recognition or even calling that out as like part of the community, like just putting recognition. I think companies can do that. Like, I don't think that there has to be this massive now as a billion dollar company and I should own a percentage of that. That doesn't make sense. But I think that companies can, there's no reason they couldn't say like, Hey, I appreciate your help and just 
calling that out. Maybe it is just a like literally a message. I appreciate your help. And it's been so critical. And thank you so much. Is there something I can do for you? I think that would maybe go a long way if companies would just even go that to that world. Yeah, I think a comp the I like the idea there was I think uh is it Kent that has a package of like contributors that that gets tagged on projects where it's like there's a that contributors with everybody's badge and names that just sort of continues to roll as as you I have seen it's, that before. It's yeah. like auto auto generating yep. the, the contributor list. Um I mean that, that goes a long ways in helping it does. me get my next job, right? In the industry as I'm like, "Oh, you know Jimco big blog? Here, here's a link to the I'm contributors. There's my name right there. Um, hosting, I think would be like if you popped in and said, hey, I'm standing this up. You know, it's five bucks a month. Um, you guys are I, give me, you know, I'm going to put both your emails in as a free tier for life. As long as I'm as long as I'm in business, you know, I know you run your own thing, but if you want to use it, great. If not, that's cool, too. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of ways and a lot of different ways to show appreciation, both otherwise how does jim pay us does, does he venmo us right this, this goes back to like making it easy to pay us uh does he sponsor us on github for like three dollars a month for a year or two and then we drift apart and eventually someone comes and goes who are these two why are we paying them yep. six dollars a month <laughs> um, you'd be like oh i remember jim when he was just one of us um before big jimco um <laughs> yeah it's an interesting sort of dynamic of like and then so now he's got a company do we continue to contribute Right. Because we're still using it. And maybe because we still see benefit and maybe we're monetizing like we have blogs that are actually really popular and we're getting monetization off that. Maybe I don't care as much as to Jesse's point where it's like, hey, as long as I still am able to do what I do with the open source software, like, great, that's what I, I got. I contributed to get it to the point where I needed it. That can be beneficial, too. And so that's why I, I don't think it necessarily has to be this like hard and fast rule. I think that there's ways where it's just recognition goes such a long way, like even to that like badging of contributors or, yeah, give me free hosting for for life, like for <laughs> $5 a month that it's not going to be that costly to the company either. But I also don't think I'm entitled as a contributor to get $3 for life for a month or something like that. Like that doesn't really seem right. That That's all fair. It, what it boils down to is not just open source software. I think it's the idea of corporations and businesses making money off of people's passion. And I can think of a million examples, like say, I, I really get a street art. I like to do it on sidewalks. A company comes, takes a picture, puts it on a shirt, starts selling it for a lot of money. When I was just like trying to put something beautiful in the world, like it, it can. I have so many feelings people. on that one, Jeff. I, I, I know you do. That's why I pick street art. Uh, I, I think inherently, I think open source is a good thing. I think it does allow, say, junior developers to get experience and exposure that they wouldn't get oftentimes. And I think it. it it allows you to like take your hobby and your passions and turn into something useful that you can share with the world. That is something really powerful and something that that is not easily uh, replicated in other ways that we can only do in software. However, there is this balance of like people reaching in and trying to take advantage of that, and it's it's a weird tension we have as a community where we don't know where the line is because we won't support open source, but we're probably not generally for people spinning up private versions of their software and. And we're generally against closed source software, but we won't do much support open source software. And so like, I don't know. I, I like what you said, Ryan, about the open source handshake, because that that's really what it is. It's like, hey, I contribute to your project. Hopefully if it takes off or something, like you'll remember me and you know, that's the that's the arrangement we have. But yeah, I don't know. I've just seen it go awry and I just see it going further in 
one direction, which is people taking advantage of it and not giving back. Yeah. And there's even, so, you know, we, we, we've, we've talked about, uh, single individuals and let me present a, a, the different scenario business to business now. So like when MongoDB changed their terms and conditions and licensing, uh, maybe a couple of years ago, uh, so MongoDB is open source and, and they stood up a service called Atlas, I believe, but you could also get MongoDB on AWS for dirt cheap. Uh, and they were just running instances of MongoDB for you. Uh, uh, MongoDB as a service. Well, the company MongoDB, you know, um, wasn't benefiting, you know, any, anywhere in that monetarily, right? There's thousands, hundreds of thousands of instances run across AWS and Mongo's over here like, cool, we maintain that. Um, so that they changed their licensing. That's like, look, if you're going to service this, you, we get a cut, right? It's very marketplace sort of driven. Um, look, if you're just an individual and you're going to run it on bare metal, have at it. Uh, you know, how do we feel about that? I, I get the sense that we're more like, oh yeah, business to business, cutthroat, get it. But the, the community itself did bubble up quite a bit. It was like, whoa, whoa, you're changing your terms and conditions on us. Like, cha- whoa, like there was a big kerfuffle. Um, kerfuffle. That's that's not the word today, is it? It's contribution. Contribution. Oh, that's a good contribution. <laughs> kerfuffle would be a good one. Cheers. Cheers. Uh, next time it'll be kerfuffle, and it'll never come <laughs> up. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, there's lots of instances of it, not just Mongo. Nginx is another one that was open source and then went. They have a business version now, which to me makes sense. Half the world runs on Apache. Half the world runs on Nginx. It's a good business model. I have no problem with that at all. Uh, it's. It's still just a, a fine line. And you're right. We get the pitchforks out when people are like, how dare you try to make money and hire quality software engineers to produce quality software when it was free and open source. But it's like, okay, let's take this out further and further. Who's going to maintain this stuff? Like some some person in a garage doing it for free? Is that really what you want your, your company's database to be built on? So again, we, we like go back and forth, but we can't find that middle ground where it's like, this is acceptable. I'm willing to pay for this and I'm willing to contribute to open source too. Like, I don't know. So, all right. As a now, you know, Jesse and I in this scenario are contributors to maybe we're contributors to multiple projects. Like as someone who contributes to open source, what ways can I actually like maybe feel better by making some money? Like, you know, Henry, you know, we mentioned a couple of things here where it's how do they, we help those people? It could be, you know, GitHub sponsorship. It could be donating to projects, but like, what are some ways in which like the open source engineer can maybe, maybe it is marketing themselves better, but like, what could they be doing to maybe monetize and make a bit of money? I would be interested. So if, when you go to a company uh, or you position for any job, we often talk about educational or training budget, right? One of the things that we, I always ask, or, or many of us ask is like, Hey, how much money do you, are you willing to pay me for a conference? Like pay my ticket for a conference or a book or uh, honestly, I think the book is harder for people to buy than a conference. Um, but like video, like give me a subscription to front end masters or to a right? These are things we openly ask about. Um, if every software engineer had the same idea was like, you know, who I want you to contribute to this GitHub person on my behalf, like $5 a month. What if all of us in our job had an addendum or said like, yeah, as long as I work here, you will contribute $5 to this person. That's a, that on a small amount 
adds up to a lot. Mm-hmm. And if that's a, you know, maybe that becomes a, a movement or an idea that is part of compensation. For every engineer you hire, there's five bucks to someone at GitHub. Who, who, whoever that person deems appropriate. You know, and the, and it, I don't know how GitHub sponsorship works. I I think you just add a list and cut a a monthly check. That seems pretty easy from accounting standpoint to be like, okay, what's our GitHub? But you know, we pay, you know, AKIO for how many licenses? Okay, we pay GitHub sponsors. How many people do we have on staff? Right? It becomes a a volume number at that point, and that sort of lifts all boats. I like that, and even actually companies like GitHub. I don't want to build features for them or suggest what they're doing for their business, but maybe it is, is making it very easy for companies to have like a way in which it's like the, you know, for Netflix, it's like the Netflix employees have that benefit of your, their upper limit of $5 a month that they can put to wherever they feel like. And that's like budgeted for and paid for at a yearly rate. That would be interesting. I I think, I guess my, my pushback against that idea, Jesse, would corporations would just say, well, you can do what you want with your money. That's not that's not our job. Or we'll just subtract five dollars from your paycheck and give it to you, which is the same as you doing with your own money, except you just have less choice. And I think that's a general stance. When I hear about open source and like, hey, we should donate more, people are like, yeah, but who do we donate to? You can do what you want with your money. We we pay you, and there's nothing stopping us as developers from all giving five dollars a month. Anyways, I don't know if offloading it to corporations and businesses is the right move. It would work, but it doesn't really accomplish what we're trying to accomplish, which is we should give more credit and more contributions to open source. And like we as engineers should be aware of that, which I don't think the awareness is even there at our level. No. Yeah, you're right. The, the, I think I got, maybe I got ahead of myself as far as doling out cash. The awareness is a real struggle. No, the cash, it's it's a good idea. It's just, I don't know. Going back to my earlier rant uh, on entitlement, a lot of us engineers are entitled. Look at your MTN npm modules look how many thousands you install every single time when's the last time you donated to anybody in that list probably never and like right there is is the problem and github has made it easier there's a lot of easy ways to do it now but like we just don't do it has even made it easier right when you run npm there's literally a donation link to put in your package that comes up as a prompt in the terminal in your face yep yeah it's literally like right there uh, and I would suspect that that bump has proved to be non-existent since they implemented it, right? Jim's nodding his head. He's thinking, yeah, like I, I think we all know that I look at that every day and go, uh-huh. So NPM fund, F-U-N-D, you can run it right now. It gives a list of everybody, all the software using, and it has, if they have it available, it gives links where you can donate to every piece of software in there if they have it available. How many people know about that command? How many people have run it? I learned about it today on this podcast. I am this year's old as I learned about it. I've never, <laughs> I've seen it in the feed, but I've never run it separately on a project. It's, and again, I don't, I don't know who can solve this problem. I, I don't like where people are talking about like, hey, what if I inject ads into this? Because this is a full-time project. I need to get paid some way. Nobody's donating. I put ads in there, which people have done. And then like people get so angry about it, but no one takes that anger and channels into something productive like donating. So I don't know where are we at. Like, is it going to be every time you run a package, it just takes some something from like a crypto wallet and donates to everybody you installed and you have to keep that funded if you want to keep NPM running. I, I don't know, but like, I don't think the current pace is sustainable. We just, as software matures and we come relying on pieces of technology, only one or two people in the world know how it works. 
we need to make sure they they keep working on that and keep getting them paid. And it's only going to get worse as tech matures and we as an open source uh, users mature. Yeah. I, I think the idea of running these things, like the getting the community to a point where we all understand uh, at an individual level and a company level and a business level and an accounting level about the pay, the monetary values of open source. Do we lead with the stick about guilt and try and, you know, when we're educating the, the, the community, like how, what strings do we pull on to, to, to get movement here? Uh, you know, guilt, it, it, it's a pretty strong motivator. Not, <laughs> not, not the you know long. It's not the goals. best feeling. Yes, <laughs> probably, probably not the best. You know, you can shame me into giving you money. I'd probably give you money uh, at a certain point, and then I'm going to feel vindictive about you making me feel bad. Uh, but I don't know what what is the process of education here. Like you know, when we talk about accessibility and other problems and spaces in the industry, education and and is very positive. It's very like look, this is the best way. This is how we need you to do it. Like they just beat that drum over and over and over again. What is our open source contribution drum? Contribution. Contribution. Well done. No, that resonated with me a lot, Jesse. Accessibility has come a long way and it's, it's been hard. This has been, I've seen it get better over the years, but it's still like, I wish it was, I wish we were further along, but a lot of it is just like, engineers don't know what they don't know right and so when you start to educate and understand like some of the accessibility things are very simple like well as you're building as once you learn it you're just like oh yeah i I make sure that i put an alt tag or or whatever it is like these are simple things that just become best practices and so maybe it is is having better education and just having people think about that because i don't think that as we talk i don't think there is a one size fits all solution for open source like there just really isn't like we talked about corporations how could they contribute how could that individual contribute and, are, and do we expect that individual who's kind of doing some fun side project should they get charged automatically for this no that's part of the open source is that things are free for a good reason and you know there's a lot of benefits to it and so i think that it's not a one size all fits all but like the education side of it goes such a long way so maybe on on that note, I think we covered a lot of amazing things on open source. I enjoyed this conversation. Great time to jump into picks of things that we found interesting for our listeners. Jam, you want to start it off? I have one pick today. Uh, as I think many of our fun and happy hour regulars know, I'm a big fan of Formula One. I think Drive to Survive on Netflix changed a lot of people's minds about what a great sport it is. It's the pinnacle of motorsport. Recently, I came across uh, a different show. Uh, different racing series. It's called MotoGP Unlimited. It's on Amazon Prime. So essentially it's Drive to Survive, but for MotoGP. For those that don't know, it's the equivalent of Formula One, but for motorcycle racing. I'm going to say this as a uh, fiery take. I think it's better than Drive to Survive. It it gives like way more in depth behind the scenes. Like you see like real conversations that team principals have. You get to go behind and see like the how difficult it is being a steward and like keeping people in the rules and you get to get like a lot more access than you get in drive to survive without any kind of manufactured drama between drivers. It's just all, uh, it's, it's a sequential following. So race by race, you get to see what happens over the season rather than that weird kind of jumping around that drive to survive does more documentary like than drama, real, real life drama TV. Yeah. 
but the drama that's there is real. It's not manufactured. It's just like, you know, there, there's a, there's an episode where um, a younger writer in, in MotoGP 2 like, crashes and dies. And just like you can see the impact it has on the the rate. I won't, I won't get into it, but like it's a very emotional episode. Like I was emotional by the end. And it captures that without adding any like fake drama to it. It's just like, this is real life. These are real people dealing with racing on the edge of life or death situations. And they know it. And every time they get on that bike, it's just, they're pushing it as hard as they can. Plus, if you've never seen MotoGP, like them taking corners. I was going to ask, are these the ones, MotoGP is where they're like hopping up, knee out, bike down to corner? Yes, like, like the knee is like sliding on the ground. <laughs> their, their, their head is literally inches from the pavement. Yes. They're doing like, you know, 120, 150 miles an hour. And it's just like the, it's my language, the balls on these people to get on this bike and do it over and over again. And they fall, they crash all the time. I don't know how they just safety equipment is better and they're better at falling, but I, I highly recommend checking it out. It, it's worth watching. If you can't tell, I'm a, I'm a big fan of it. And that's my pick. Awesome. Jesse, what do you have for picks for our listeners? That sounds intense. Uh, mine is not that intense. Uh, I have two picks. Uh, my first pick is uh, micro.blog. It's a, uh, Micro.blog is a built open indie web platform by Matt and Reese. Uh, him and Daniel Jowkett host uh, Core Intuition, longtime iOS developers. Um, but he's moved into the web community um, and builds on open standards. This sort of everyone has a blog and a domain page. And then there's a feed that runs through for people you to follow. So everyone has their own pages. And then there's a feed that you can join or not join. And it's this very sort of like not Twitter, blog. I just run the blog. I rarely go to the feed, but it's open and it's, and it's great. And it's, it's a, it's a, I pop in there every once in a while. And it's just a wonderful place of, of wonderful people, um, posting pictures. Um, it handles images really well. Um, and, and so I would check it out. Uh, micro.blog. My, my other pick is when you get to entertainment is killing Eve season four. Uh, if you've not seen the British show by killing Eve, it is mind bending and you need to go watch all of it. Just binge it all now. That's my take. Which is a good reminder. I really like that show, and I forgot that there's a new season out. So you, you've sold me already. I'm like, yes. So good. It's so good. Awesome. All right. Well, I have two picks uh, for today's episode. One is maybe intense on on a sports level, gem, but not the motorcycle uh, intense. I've watched the HBO documentary, uh, Tony Hawk, Until the Wheels Fall Off. Damn, it's a really good uh, documentary, really following a lot of uh, his career. Like they even have some really old footage of him as like 11 year old or like really young skateboarding in pools. And it was just it was really cool. And to kind of see how he's uh, evolved in his career and also speaking with some of the other people who were pro skaters at that time. It's just a really good documentary. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Definitely a lot of intense uh, injuries and things like that, too, that they cover. So um, really good one to watch on HBO. And then my second pick is a rap album that just came out, the Snack the Ripper album, Let It Rip. Really cool Canadian rapper uh, in Vancouver. Just I, I've really enjoyed the album. I've listened to it a few times already. Uh, so that's my second pick. Jesse, thank you so much for joining us uh, uh, with this conversation. I, I feel like we probably could do like six episodes in depth on open source in so many ways. I really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, if people are looking to get in touch with you, where can they reach out to you? Yeah, uh, the best place to reach me is on Twitter at jtomshock, J-T-O-M-C-H-A-K. 
I'm here to talk all open source contributions, a- anything you're up for, um, mentoring and, and anything else in the dev community. I'm, I'm here for it. Awesome. Well, and thank you for listening to Front End Happy Hour. You know where to find us typically if you're a regular listener, uh, Front End HH on Twitter. Any last words? NPM Fund. NPM Fund. That's a wonderful. Thank you so much, guys. This was amazing. I hope this is the, the start of an education. NPM Fund. Awesome. Thank you for your contributions. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.